0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And honestly, folks, I owe you a bit of an apology or a bit of a correction. But how big of a correction? Well, that's what's going to be up for debate as part of today's video. Late last week, I did a video called Microsoft's Moves, Massive or Minuscule, in which I talked about two separate things that Microsoft was doing in the video game space, or at least in the software space, one of which was Microsoft was allying itself with the Coalition for App Fairness in respect of their complaints about app stores and openness and interoperability, but they only went about halfway. Microsoft committed to the Coalition for App Fairness's rules and and proposals and vision for the future with respect to Windows, keeping Windows an open system, which is not what they're talking about, but I am sure They appreciate the support. And I said, hey, that's probably not that big of a deal. The other thing that Microsoft did last week that we talked about in this video was that they announced an alliance with GameStop, a partnership, a strategic partnership in which predominantly most of the press release talked about the fact that GameStop's associates would be getting Surface tablets, GameStop's back end, their computer systems would be operating on Dynamics 365, Microsoft's cloud-based kind of enterprise software solution. And then there was one more reference that goes a little bit like this. Following decades as an essential provider of the Microsoft Xbox gaming platform and services, GameStop has expanded its Xbox family of product offerings to include Xbox All Access, which provides an Xbox console and 24 months of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to players with no upfront cost. GameStop and Microsoft will both benefit from the customer acquisition and lifetime revenue value of each gamer brought into the Xbox ecosystem. And last week, I talked about the fact that that the line highlighted in red, that last line that I just read you, was being used in various places online to suggest that GameStop had entered into some kind of revenue-sharing, commissions-based agreement with Microsoft for sales made in quote-unquote the Xbox ecosystem, what we would usually think of as downstream digital purchases. You buy an Xbox from GameStop, Xbox gets its money, of course. GameStop gets its money for having a retail space and putting it on the shelves and having it available for you to buy. Then you go home and you buy Doom Eternal or you buy something else on the Xbox Store. GameStop isn't a participant in that transaction. And some were suggesting that this line changed that. That GameStop was going to be a participant in the quote-unquote lifetime revenue value of those gamers brought into the ecosystem. And I said, well, that's not how I read this. The rest of the bullet points in this press release are basically divided into the main thing in the first sentence and then descriptions of why that main thing is useful. You can see above, oh, we're going to use Microsoft 365 and Teams and now we'll be more able to ask questions and share insights with each other, et cetera, et cetera. So this looks to me set up as it was prior in the press release to mean, okay, we're going to sell all access. And now that we have that sale of all access, yes, maybe we'll participate on a commission basis for the sale of all access, but once it's out of the store, we're not going to participate. And all this line was read by me to mean was that sure, GameStop and Microsoft are going to benefit from having more gamers, right? GameStop benefits from selling Xboxes because that person with an Xbox is now on the margins more likely to come back into the GameStop with something that they want to purchase. Well... As of yesterday night, that has apparently not been the proper reading of that section. If we look, we see a tweet from Domo Capital Management, LLC, at Domo Capital, that says today, $GME, GameStop, confirmed with me that the agreement with Microsoft includes revenue sharing on all downstream revenue, i.e. digital downloads and digital content from any device that GameStop brings into the Xbox ecosystem. GameStop now meaningfully participates in digital. And I also wanted to give a hat tip. You can see below, Lord Cognito, at Lord Cognito, tweeted this to me with two eyeballs. And that's all it takes, folks, to get a hat tip in virtual legality, is let me know about these stories. You only need to use the two eyeballs emoji or anything else that you like to let me know that these things exist. I really do appreciate it. And I said, well, this does change things. Now, in researching this particular tweet and this particular gentleman who goes by the name of Justin Dopierala, I wanted to find out exactly what he was thinking with respect to what he is saying here, because this does seem too broad to me, right? If we just take this tweet on its face, GameStop is going to be participating with all downstream revenue, including digital downloads and digital content. That means that if you buy an Xbox from GameStop, somehow GameStop is going to record that fact, Mac address, some other serial number. When you go and apply at home for your Xbox Live, you fill out all those cards, whatever it is that you're connecting your Xbox to your account with, that somehow Microsoft has to be aware that this box is now a GameStop box and is going to remit some percentage of the proceeds from your buying Doom Eternal or Red Dead Redemption 2 or Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever else it might be to GameStop because they originated the sale of the Xbox. A highly unusual set of affairs. So I said, okay, I need to find out more about what this gentleman is thinking. And I found this on the website Seeking Alpha from October 12th, 2020. So he makes this tweet on October 13th, yesterday, the day before... He had already written an article entitled GameStop Revenue Sharing Agreement with Microsoft Shifts Sentiment. Now, if you aren't familiar with Seeking Alpha as a website, we covered some stories in virtual legality using Seeking Alpha as a source really back in the early days of virtual legality. This is a website in which Financial analysis is speculated upon that these various folks at running these various investment advisor companies are going to write articles that say, hey, this is why GameStop is a good buy or why it's a bad buy, why you should short sell it, all these various things. As we will read this article, which again comes before the tweet that he made yesterday night, so we have to take that under advisement as well. He's going to say why he thinks GameStop is a good buy. Right? And he's going to say that in response to some people that don't think it's a good buy. With that as our understanding, let's take a look at what he was looking at the day before he apparently confirmed from GameStop directly that their agreement with Microsoft includes revenue sharing on quote-unquote all downstream revenue. Here's what he had to say. On October 8th, GameStop and Microsoft released a joint press release announcing a multi-year strategic agreement. The investment media initially focused on the enterprise elements of the agreement rather than the commercial elements. Why? Because they make up 70 or 80% of the press release. And as we looked at in the press release itself, the only sentence that we he wants to focus on in this article and now in this tweet from yesterday is this one, which doesn't actually state that there's a revenue share between the two companies. Microsoft will benefit by equipping GameStop associates with Surface tablets. Microsoft will also standardize GameStop's backend using Dynamics 365, just like we talked about but also the following. It is important for people to understand that Microsoft likely had a lot of sway in regards to the wording of the press release. Therefore, a lot of people tried to claim that the fourth and most important bullet point to GameStop was likely not relevant since it was buried in the press release. This is absolutely false and shows a lack of understanding surrounding the joint release. I feel seen. Don't you? Those of you who follow virtual legality, he sees us. He says we're absolutely false. Well, in looking at this press release, I would argue that nothing here suggests that there is a revenue share and that if you were reading it that way, well, great, you read between the lines properly, I suppose, but that one or the other of GameStop or Microsoft was hiding the ball here. If there is a revenue share between GameStop and Microsoft for the digital sales occurring in the Xbox ecosystem, that is by far the most important point in this alliance and would have been writ large, number one with a bullet in a normally organized press release of this type, which is the first thing that gives me pause when we talk about whether or not this is fully accurate. Of course, we're not getting quotes From this gentleman. We're not getting a quote directly from GameStop at this point in time. They might provide additional information later today or later on. It's a public company, just like Microsoft is. So they'll have to share at least certain components of what's going on here. But whether or not it shows a lack of understanding surrounding the joint release, I'd like to attribute it a little bit to two entities that apparently were interested in deceiving the public and maybe the investment groups on what exactly was happening here now he says in red two days ago not yesterday I have officially confirmed with GameStop that the following quote from the press release specifically refers to a revenue sharing agreement GameStop and Microsoft will both benefit from the customer acquisition and lifetime revenue value of each gamer brought into the Xbox ecosystem Michael Pachter of Wedbush detailed how this works now we have a couple of things happening here first We can see that he says he has confirmed with GameStop that the following quote refers to a revenue share. That doesn't get us to where he is going with his tweet from yesterday, which is not his fault. This is an article from two days ago, so the day before yesterday. But he has now reaffirmed that he believes that this agreement is relating to all downstream revenue, which we will see lines up with his assumptions and his speculation from two days ago in a way that causes issues with my uh, assumption of credibility on these kinds of concepts. right? Another thing that contributes to my potential skepticism over these claims is the fact that he details what Michael Pachter had to say as saying that it detailed how this works. When, if we go to the link, which helpfully he provided, Microsoft deal unlikely to drive meaningful upside, Wedbush, we see that Michael Pachter was actually saying that the GameStop stock price going up probably wasn't something that was actually... Indicative of what this agreement was likely to be, or as he says, the stock reaction appears to be driven specifically by language that suggests GameStop will participate in the lifetime revenue of each gamer, but the revenue share dynamic is likely less material than the share move, the increase in price, would imply. The context for what Michael Pachter is saying here is that he doesn't think, even if we assume that there's a revenue share as part of that press release... That it's worthy of this increase in the GameStop price. He is not as excited about GameStop as the rest. He added, as this article says, because it's summarizing these informational points from Michael Pachter to his investment crew, is what this might look like. For example, if a customer signs up for the $15 monthly Xbox Game Pass Ultimate at a GameStop store, we would expect GameStop to receive a buck fifty or so from that monthly revenue stream for as long as the customer continues to subscribe. If instead the customer signs up for Xbox All Access for $35 a month, GameStop would share $350 per month for 24 months. That makes sense to me. And again, this isn't Michael Pachter detailing how this works. It's him speculating as to how it might work. Note the, we would expect. Note the, by language that suggests, Michael Pachter doesn't have inside information, or at least he's not presenting that he does when he makes these statements. He's saying, okay, if this is in fact the case, if we're talking about lifetime revenue, we're probably talking about somebody that buys Ultimate at the GameStop. We have that account information when you buy it. And if you continue with that same account information, yes, GameStop can take its 10%, just like it might take the 10% of the hardware sales initially. Same with Xbox All Access. But will that continue and extend for the future? Does that count for digital sales in the marketplace in general? He doesn't assume that. And in fact, he made this hypothetical on the assumption, on the statement that it's not that big of a deal because the difference isn't that substantial. That is what this author, Justin, disagrees with, right? He says, first of all, we don't know that the revenue sharing agreement is simply limited to a percentage of revenue of the cost of the subscription. It is possible that GameStop benefits from additional dollars that the consumer spends within the ecosystem, right? And he says, well, maybe they're getting a share of all downstream revenue, that GameStop is taking into account the Mac address or the serial number of the Xbox and is sending it to Microsoft, that maybe when you actually sign up for Xbox Live on your console at home, it asks you if you bought it from GameStop. Now, of course, if it's voluntary on that basis, there's going to be some kind of loss there because not everybody's going to tell them the right thing. Not everybody's going to remember if you get it at Christmas, do you know whether it was bought at GameStop or not? No. So we would expect GameStop will probably have to take this information at the time and relay that to Microsoft in a fashion where Microsoft owes them 10%, 15%, 5%. There are no details here of the money that they make from that console, but... Does that mean they're going to take 10% of that money from the rest of these digital sales? Domo Capital Management says so as of late last night. He continues to give some examples why he thinks just taking Michael Pachter's example, just the all-access side of things, just the Game Pass side of things, is still a lot of money for GameStop. The context of this article is that this author is very pro-GameStop. He is writing to those folks that are short selling GameStop, that think it's on the downswing and saying, no, it's not. GameStop is a good investment and more power to him. D- different people can have different opinions on these kinds of things. I have my doubts that the GameStop marketability, the sales platform that they have built over the past few decades is something that will survive the digital transition, but they certainly have to try. And that appears to be what GameStop is doing. Now, he says GameStop makes about a 10% margin On the sale of new hardware, if we assume that, then they make $30 to $50, whether they sell a Series S or a Series X. On the Xbox Series S, the cost is $25 a month for all access for 24 months, and Series X is $35. According to Michael Pachter, he would expect, based on the same 10% that this author is using, GameStop to earn $250 to $350 a month from each sale. Here's the thing. Over the course of 24 months, that will total $60 to $84 per sale instead of 30 to 50 Yes, it will if we don't take into account things like the time value of money, the fact that this is going to be received by GameStop later on, that this is a credit program, that these are in fact credit risks, that some number of people are going to default on these kinds of things. And so you're not going to get all of that value. And so Michael Pachter looks at this and says, okay, it's probably not that big of a deal, but... He says that it is. He also says most subscribers are likely to extend their Game Pass Ultimate subscription beyond the initial two years after the console is paid for. Now, that's rampantly speculative, right? Game Pass Ultimate is relatively new in the world of video games. And in fact, Microsoft has been subsidizing virtually every subscription to Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate since its inception. I'm still on a dollar program that they offered uh, at E3, I want to say 2019. And we're still getting Game Pass Ultimate for a dollar a month or something along those lines. And that'll, of course, end. And then we'll reevaluate just like everybody reevaluates when those trial periods or those very low cost periods ends. But we don't know whether people are likely to extend their Game Pass Ultimate. But if they do, he says a second 24-month subscription would essentially have the same effect as GameStop selling an additional console over the next two years to the same person as GameStop would realize another $18 per year per gamer. Over the following 24-month period, as the Game Pass Ultimate subscription is $15 a month. Now, you can also already see kind of some stolen bases there. Another console, $18 per year, that's $36. That's not another Series X. That's maybe another Series S, and, and that's still significant. But you're making certain assumptions that GameStop is going to make this money downstream. That Microsoft is going to keep the same percentage that they give at the point of sale for the box as they will for the extension, right? If you're talking about a commission agreement, if you're a lawyer and you're talking about a sales representative document, one of the things that you do is you talk about what this tail period looks like, right? Yes, it's very important for the sales representative to get you in the same room, to get that sale done, to make those contacts, make those telephone calls. But as time goes on, their connection becomes less and less valuable. Microsoft retains that customer. People stay in the Xbox ecosystem, Otherwise, if you were going to stay at Xbox and you once bought an Xbox from GameStop, do you owe the same amount of money, if you're Microsoft, to GameStop 10 years down the line if that person buys something from the Xbox store in 2030? I think in general, when we look at commercial contracts and transactions of that type, the answer would be no. So we shouldn't assume that this agreement is flat. We shouldn't assume that it's necessarily even the same as the cut that GameStop would take out of the sales of the hardware itself. Now, this particular individual says that they will participate in those extensions, all downstream revenue, but we're starting to see that some of the assumptions that are made are more suggestive of somebody that just wants GameStop to be popular, just wants GameStop to make money to have that share price go up. That's fair. That's fair. But we have other issues. While some analysts, like Seth Sigmund from Credit Suisse, believes it will not be incremental to potential lost pre-owned sales, I would disagree. Now, to understand this argument. Again, this author thinks GameStop is a good buy. A lot of people don't. And why do a lot of people not think GameStop is a good buy? Because they have financially struggled as folks transition over into digital purchases of video games. We're up probably at above 50% now of people buying video games digitally. And GameStop has, for a very long time, basically been a kind of secondhand video game shop. That that's where they made their highest margins. That's where they really made their hay. And the fewer physical games that are in circulation, the fewer pre-owned games are out there, the less money GameStop makes in that market. And thus, lo and behold, you have a GameStop that is financially struggling and trying to reimagine itself. Now, this author says, hey, you know, this kind of deal is probably bigger than the lost pre-owned sales. Now, why does he say that? A couple of reasons, again, which I find at least somewhat disingenuous. Microsoft's all-access subscription does not include all games. In fact, many publishers have come out and stated that they would never go to the subscription model because it just doesn't make sense from an economic standpoint. Now, I saw that line and a red light went off in my head because I've only really heard one company frame their objections to the game passes of the world in that fashion. Right, And that, of course, was Sony in the middle of September. Here's a headline from Push Square. Sony won't follow Game Pass model on PS5, doesn't believe it's sustainable. Sony has gone out with that direction. Of course they don't. Right, Microsoft and Sony are riding two different boats in two different directions at this point. And Microsoft wants to sell a recurring subscription revenue model. And Sony wants to sell a walled garden box with exclusives that it produces and makes money on. So it's really no surprise when we talk about these kinds of things that no, Sony games aren't going to be appearing on Microsoft's All Access subscription. But it's disingenuous to start comparing the PlayStation ecosystem to the Microsoft ecosystem as a defense of why revenue sharing on All Access and maybe Game Pass will make more money than a loss in pre-order sales or or pre-played game sales, right? You can see that there's putting two different concepts together in this particular portion. And I do think that that's disingenuous. It's also worthwhile to note that he doesn't mention that it's Sony because the other publishers, the other major publishers, whether that's Ubisoft or Rockstar or Electronic Arts, have all either dabbled in or jumped with two feet into seeing whether the Game Pass model can be supported, whether Microsoft can pay enough money for participation in those subscriptions, whether those companies can make enough money after they end the subscriptions or before if there's gonna be a launch period, that we have seen things like Red Dead Redemption 2 in there, that we have seen other very popular games on Game Pass. We are going to see EA have its own kind of section of Game Pass, I believe on November 10th, because they are going to bring their all access over into the Game Pass concept. And so we don't really see publishers rejecting outright the subscription model as much as we see Microsoft's major competition selling a different box saying subscription models are not for us. In fact, he continues, these publishers are raising prices across the board by $10 to $70 a game. That's right. Not only will gamers not be able to access these games as part of their all-access subscription, which he's conflating a little bit with Game Pass. The increase in price also makes buying the physical game more beneficial as it increases the trade-in value. Now, that's quite a sentence, right? From an economist's point of view. Yeah, it might be more beneficial because you can sell it for more, but it costs more upfront, so it's less likely that you will buy it, right? Nobody thinks that as prices go up, demand goes up. Prices go up, demand goes down. That's how it has been. That's how it will always be. He says it will also encourage others to wait until a used pre-owned game is available and rejuvenate GameStop's pre-owned offerings. Now this paragraph, to my mind, is a little bit crazy, right? Your suggestion is that the prices of physical goods go up so more people will want them because they have a higher pre-owned value and also simultaneously more people will wait for them so that they can get it pre-owned all in the midst of a discussion about digital in which Microsoft is selling a subscription model where you don't pay anything for those products. And which, when a physical copy of a game that isn't available on Game Pass is $70 or $80 or $100, then isn't the actual factor of that kind of price increase that Game Pass looks that much better, that somebody can just enter into the subscription digital model and not think about any of this. Which when we're talking about GameStop on the whole means fewer pre-owned games, fewer high margin sales. And yeah, GameStop better hang on for dear life to participate in the revenue share of whatever they're getting on a digital downstream basis from Microsoft. But Microsoft is now in the driver's seat because they can change that deal when amendment time comes or when termination time comes. And GameStop now doesn't really control its own destiny. And I think Seth Sigmund from Credit Suisse and I are in agreement that GameStop has more fundamental problems, and that the pre-owned market is going to dissipate to a very large degree, and GameStop is rightly trying to manage that storm, but I don't think this is the end state for that management at all. Next, we have an interesting concept. There still exists a material number of consumers that are still not interested in attaching a credit card to an online subscription and or may not even have a credit card. This makes GameStop essential in handling these transactions that allow people to purchase digital subscriptions and content. GameStop also accomplishes this through trade-in credits. Therefore, GameStop will share not only in the revenue from the all-access subscription, which is what we're talking about, but also in revenue spent on digital using GameStop's footprint. Now, that's interesting, right? This paragraph is trying to establish because he doesn't have, apparently, what he says he has as of last night. The understanding that GameStop will actually be skimming off the top, getting a commission of the digital sales directly, that the fact that they sell cards in their store is their participation on digital. The problem with that, of course, is that that's entirely the way things function right now. That's how it functions with the PlayStation Network. That's how it functions with Xbox and Xbox Live. GameStop sells those cards right now. And it conflates this concept of whether or not they're getting revenue from All Access, from Game Pass, how long that lasts, what rate that is, which we apparently don't know. And we don't have the quotes from GameStop that this author is using and says, well, they'll be participating in digital that way. And then that raises the question, is that what you mean when you make a tweet like this? When you talk about revenue sharing on downstream revenue, could you be conflating the concept of, hey, we get a cut, we get a margin of the cards we sell in our store is that the revenue share that we're talking about? Is that the digital participation? Because that's the argument you already made the day before. And so, yes, I think if you just read this straight up, this is very important. And I think it would be very interesting if this is, in fact, exactly how it reads. But we've got now three or four or five points in this very article from this same author of that person making the tweet that says, oh, you're using some kind of conflated arguments that makes me question what you mean by what is obviously what you are stating in your tweet. He also gives a quote from Jim Ryan, the PlayStation chief, notably not Microsoft, that says GameStop and their card sales is important. It's interesting. There is quite a nice ecosystem that's sprung up for specialist retail around selling cash cards for people who don't have a credit card. There's a list of reasons why people need these cards. I don't want to get into the back and forth of the margin discussions between ourselves and our retailers, but we think we have found a way to make that work together. So yeah, Sony's invested in that, Microsoft's invested in that, GameStop is invested in that, but they were before this press release and before what's ever happening today. Also taking a step back from this discussion, I think it's also worthwhile to note that Microsoft and Sony and GameStop and the publishers and the developers of these games are currently facing a regulatory environment that is problematic on one very specific point. And that is, if you've been in virtual legality for a while, or if you've just been reading up on video games in general, loot boxes and gambling mechanics and regulators in both the United States and the European Union, looking at those kinds of things and saying, that should be gambling. And that should be regulated as gambling. And it's not necessarily right now in the current definitions of these countries, but they might change. And even if they don't, the best argument that those regulators bring right now is that kids can get access to those things. One of the things I've said in this space is, is that Sony or Microsoft would be wise or to at least examine the fact that, hey, if you go and you buy in cash a card from a GameStop or anywhere else, you can come in and get those loot boxes and those gambling mechanics in those games. And that is allowing the regulators to say you are helping facilitate this for miners, that one of the things that should happen in your games, whether in your software ecosystem or at the GameStops of the world, is that you can't buy one of those cards without a credit card. But here in this article, you see the real rub which is Microsoft and Sony don't want to do that because they make some significant money and GameStop makes that money too. And to the extent that Sony and Microsoft agree that GameStop is an important participant in the video game sales marketplace, they want to keep having those cards And they're going to have to figure out how to deal with the regulators because that's going to continue to be a weakness, an area of exposure for these companies. That someone can take a $20 bill, go buy this card, swing around, put it into their PlayStation Network ID or their Microsoft Xbox ID, and then buy that thing that many regulators think is very resembling of gambling. He continues by talking about the fact that this will force Nintendo and Sony into a revenue-sharing deal. He says Microsoft's warming relationship with GameStop cannot go unmatched by Nintendo and Sony. Sony and Nintendo cannot afford to have the GameStop sales force pushing the Xbox All Access subscription to take advantage of the revenue-sharing deal at the expense of products. Now, understand what he means by that, right? There's a reason that we see advertisements online or in person that say, no sales commission, we don't make sales on commission. And the reason for that is because everybody has an intuitive and correct understanding that the profit motive can get in between the judgment one when you are talking about sales. It's nobody's fault. This is to be expected. If we look at a GameStop and we have somebody come in and wave $500 around and says to the GameStop associate, I've got $500. I want to buy a next-gen console. Should I get a PlayStation 5 or should I get an Xbox Series X? And we know that GameStop makes more money selling an Xbox Series X. It is reasonable to intuit that GameStop associates on an aggregate level, not any individual associate necessarily, will push lightly or significantly towards Xbox Series X. And then if they make more money from All Access, they might push them even a little bit further. Hey, did you know you can get All Access and all this extra stuff for only $35 a month and that'll make GameStop even more money? So what you have presented now is a judgment question. Right. If you go into the GameStop and you aren't listening to virtual legality and you aren't following video games on a regular basis, you don't necessarily have that level of trust in the agent at these stores that you would otherwise have. And that's not anybody's fault. I'm in favor of freedom of contract. I'm in favor of Microsoft and GameStop entering into these agreements if they want to. But people should be notified, should acknowledge the fact that at the margins, GameStop will be recommending Xbox stuff more often. Xbox will be more prominently displayed in GameStops because GameStop makes more money and businesses survive by making money. More to the point, I don't think that this actual thesis in this article is correct. I don't think Sony has to match. I don't think Nintendo and their wildly popular Switch that will probably be one of the big ticket items this holiday season, if for Animal Crossing, if for no other reason, has to match Microsoft and Xbox, if we go and we look just a couple months ago, we can see that the consumer demand for PlayStation seems to be significantly higher from that of Microsoft and their Xbox product. I pulled up a headline from Tom's guide. PS5 beats Xbox Series X by huge margin, says new survey. Now that new survey was as of early August. Things could have changed in the intervening two months, but it seems unlikely to that significant of a level. And the subheading here is that the PS5 won out by a margin of nearly 6 to 1. PlayStation and Sony have the brand consciousness. Whether you like it or not, I'm hopefully going to get both, depending on what Amazon does to my pre-orders. I have no vested interest in who wins this fight. I am not a console warrior. But we have to take the facts as they come, and people are more excited about the PlayStation. And When you are in the losing position, which Microsoft and the Xbox Series X box separating it out from Game Pass and their desire to move to a revenue subscription model. They appear to be in that third place position, as we can see right now. Don't know what will happen in the future, but then if you are in that underdog position, you take extra steps. You say, all right, GameStop is going to sell six times as many PlayStations. Well, if we want more Xboxes to be sold, maybe we give Xbox a little incentive. We give GameStop a little of incentive to sell those Xboxes. And if GameStop gets that little incentive, well, then maybe a few more Xboxes are sold. Sony isn't in the same position. They have the brand awareness as leverage on their side. GameStop can't afford to not sell PlayStations, and Sony knows it. So you have two different business models selling two different products and two different product lines, and you have an author here that wants to say GameStop is a good investment because Sony and Nintendo will have to match. He finishes this section by saying, I suspect GameStop's coup in getting Microsoft on board will be major motivation for Sony to finalize something soon before the release of the next gen consoles next month. Said another way, he looks at this and says, well, I guess Sony will enter into a similar agreement in the next three weeks. And maybe they will. We are not sitting here with any foreknowledge of those kinds of things. But the fact that Microsoft did this and that Microsoft is doing all manner of different things separate from Sony and Nintendo in this generational transition does not mean that GameStop is going to get a Sony revenue share for downstream digital sales. It just doesn't. It could happen. But there's nothing to suggest that what has happened over the past couple of days with Microsoft and GameStop will result in that right now. And Sony and Nintendo are in wildly different positions to Microsoft and their Xbox project. And it's worthwhile to know that even if you are the biggest Microsoft Xbox fan in the world, which leads us back. To this. The rest of this article is about how short sales and people that are down on GameStop are wrong and bad. And I will, of course, link this article in the description and you can check that out. But it's the author essentially saying, I'm right, haha, the short sellers are wrong. So we come back to this tweet from yesterday, and it's an important tweet. If this is as accurate as it is suggestive of, then this is a big freaking deal. GameStop confirmed that their deal with Microsoft includes revenue sharing on all downstream revenue from any device that GameStop originates. Microsoft has co-opted, if this is correct, GameStop's into being Microsoft stores and that every sale that GameStop makes, makes GameStop money from Xbox. And so, yeah, GameStop will be moving in that direction. Meanwhile, Sony is selling an all-digital unit, which would cut out GameStop almost entirely unless you take Justin's... Supposition that selling digital cards is the same thing, which I I wouldn't suggest as a long-term investment strategy. But if this is correct, that's a big deal. But what is more important is how correct it is. What do you mean by all downstream revenue? What are those rates? What is the tail period? What does somebody have to give informationally? Is that going to dissuade people from going to GameStop? Is the fact that GameStop is going to be pushing Xbox more and clearly isn't a neutral playing field to sell what is clearly the most sought-after product which is the Sony side of the equation, the PlayStation side of the equation, is that going to lower audience participation, lower people that actually want to go into a GameStop. If this winds up getting publicized, that GameStop is effectively a bought and paid for party. It really depends on what those incentives are, what the agreement is, how GameStop positions it, how Microsoft does. But if this as is as it says, we could be looking at a sea change, certainly with GameStop, certainly with Microsoft. And yeah, You know, maybe Sony and Nintendo evaluate this. Maybe Sony enters into an agreement with a GameStop competitor. Who that would be? I don't know. A Best Buy, maybe. But whatever it is, if this is, in fact, what is happening, this is by far the most significant portion of this press release. It is rightly called out by this investment strategist, and we will see where it goes. So, asking the question from last week, is this massive or minuscule, we're stuck in the ore could be massive. It really depends on how true that tweet is, how much GameStop can make from Microsoft, how long that tail period lasts, and and really whether or not even that kind of revenue share can save them from the upcoming transition fully from physical to digital goods. This has been Virtual Legality for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. We are talking about these kinds of things, the business and law of video games, movies, music, television, all sorts of pop culture because we like to read about those things anyway and because we have a background in business and law. So if you like this kind of stuff, like, share, subscribe, tell folks that we are here. We have had a wonderful year of growth. We would like to continue that right through the holiday season and into 2021. So we appreciate everyone you send over here to Virtual Legality. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.